Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of The Yard. Another day closer to college football. Another day closer to you guys being back in town for another home game. Non-conference affair against Bowling Green State University, also known as Bowling Green or affectionately known as BG. They'll be here. Uh, I don't know if there's going to be any bling-bling or not. Some of you will, will understand the reference. Uh, all that said, it's a big weekend. We're back together. Chance to uh, to get back on the winning side of things. Mississippi State fully expected to be 3-1 and one after this weekend. I will share with you a couple things before we get started. You know, my goals for Mississippi State, and of course, you know, my goals and uh, 50 cents to get you a cup of coffee at the Delo truck stop, but uh, is I, I don't want to be in a situation where we're just competing to be in a bowl game. Right? There was a time in my life then that that was enough. You know, I, I grew up, I'm from the 1900s. And so, you know, we had a stretch there for a while that we didn't get to go to a bowl game very often. And so it was a huge deal for us to make a bowl game. Well, with so many bowl games these days and, and some smart scheduling, you know, we have uh, we've been to bowl games very, very regularly. And so I think it's important to understand that it is okay for us to expect more than simply making a bowl game. Now, any season that we don't is a complete failure. But there are other seasons that, uh, you know, perhaps we could and should do better 
than we do. Of course, we've been to a bowl game every year since 2010. But um, you know, going back a little bit, taking a little look at history here, you know, in 1963, we won the Liberty Bowl in Philadelphia, Mississippi. Excuse me, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. If it had been in Philadelphia, Mississippi, it probably wouldn't have been as well attended. But uh, freezing cold game. I've interviewed Bill McGuire about the game before. Bill was in uh, one of my books. So we won that against NC State. Uh, Coach McGuire with a block punt that uh, allowed Mississippi State to get out to a, a two-point a two lead. Excuse me, a two-possession lead, if I can get going here. And we ended up uh, being ranked at the end of the year. It was a great year for us. We didn't go to another bowl game again until 1974 when Rocky Felker, Howard Lewis, and that gang went out to the Sun Bowl and beat North Carolina in 1974. So 11 seasons between bowl appearances. Bob Tyler left. We hired Emory Ballard. In the second year of Emory Ballard's tenure, we beat Alabama November 1st, 1980, one of the defining moments of our program's history. And then we lost to Nebraska in the Sun Bowl. Six years in between appearances. The next year, we beat Kansas in the Hall of Fame Classic, which is not a Birmingham Bowl or whatever they're calling it these days, 10 nothing. Was an impressive win, but a win nonetheless. That was in 1981. We went a decade without going to a bowl game. In 91, we have an opportunity to go back to the Liberty Bowl. We lose to Air Force 38-15. Was not a good night. I watched that game from Pine Grove. The next year, we're in the Peach Bowl and lose to North Carolina. Then we miss a bowl game in 93. We go back to the Peach Bowl in 95, lose to Mike O'Kane and NC State. No bowl games, 95, 96, 97. So in 98, when we won the West and went to the Cotton Bowl, we were like, hey, we're on track. We won the Peach Bowl in 99. Then we won the Independence Bowl in 2000. And the fact that we were in the Snow Bowl rather than the sunny state of Florida, remains a bone of contention for many of us that were paying attention back then. And then we didn't go to a bowl game again until 2007. 01, 02, 03, 04, 05, 06, nothing. Matter of fact, we were a losing team every single year. 3-8, and 3-9, 2-10 and ten in 2003. That bottomed us out there, the final year of the Jackie Sherrill tenure. 3-8, and 3-8, 3-9. Three and eight, three and eight, and Sylvester Croom and the, the group put together a 7-5 and five regular season. It was a great year in many respects and a great year in context. Considering what we have come from that decade, mired in probation, a lot of NCAA sanctions, a lot of rumors about our program, a lot of people working against us. We went to Liberty Bowl. We thought, hey, we're on track. The next year, sliding the guys go 4-8. and eight. You recall we had many opportunities that year to have a better season. We didn't. Coach Croom is terminated, and then we bring in Dan Mullen, and Dan goes 5-7, and seven, and it felt like the best losing season we'd ever had in our, in our tenure as fans because of the fact, even though we went 5-7, and seven, we should have beat LSU, we should have beat Houston, we should have been 7-5, and five, but we were, were playing a much more exciting brand of football with a young nucleus of players. We knew that bigger things were on the way. The next year, we began the current bowl streak that in 2011 with the, the blasting of Michigan 52-14. That runs all the way into uh, last year's Liberty Bowl loss. So my feelings is that we have matured and grown enough as a program that we should expect more to simply go to a bowl game. So when I look at this and I begin to think, hey, you know, the old 
old school Bulldog fan in me says, hey, we win this weekend, we're 3-1, and one, we're halfway to bowl eligibility. And I have to check myself a little bit. I have higher aspirations for Mississippi State football than simply making a bowl game. And for guys like me that have been around a few 24 hours, you know, it's like we, we, re, we remember those years of sitting at home and watching the postseason thinking, man, I sure wish we were still playing football. But I think we have grown to a point now where we feel like, you know what, it's okay to expect more. It's okay to say, you know what, can we put together a good season and get into the New Year's sick? Can we begin to compete in the SEC West? And that's one of those things, too, you begin to ask yourself. You know, it's like, hey, you know, as great as the Dan Mullen years were, we only had one year we had a winning record in the SEC. Most years, four and four. It's like, hey, we win our non-conference games and win four conference games. It's eight and four. It's a great year at Mississippi State. And I think maybe, maybe there's some of us that think, you know what, we're capable of a little bit more than that. I'm one of those. I think we are capable of more than that. And so, like many of you, when we lose a ball game like we did last weekend, and listen, it's always a dicey proposition going to LSU. No matter the circumstances within the LSU program, it's always a dicey proposition. And so when we lose that ball game, because I think last week we'd all kind of convinced ourselves, you know what, hey, we can go win this thing. We can do it. And that could be the difference between a good year and a great year. That could be the difference in, you know, a Tennessee bowl game and a Florida bowl game, or maybe more. And now we've lost that. Now we can still regain it. But I think if we're honest with ourselves, it's going to be very difficult. And of course, to be honest, did we expect to win at A&M and, and Auburn last year? Some of us did. But by and large, you know, there were some games out there that we, you know, we lost to Memphis and we really felt like we are going to be chasing the season because we knew the margin for error last year was really, really small. We ended up going 7-5 and five in a regular season, had a little room to spare there because of a couple of upsets on the road. And so I share in that frustration. It, it, it angers me. It does because I'm so emotionally invested in this. You know, it's not just good for our business. You know, it's good for Steve, right? It's good for you. You know, many of us get out there and we go, we make a, a contribution of sorts because we, we, we get on the road and we buy tickets and that sort of stuff. And we get out and we get hotel rooms and none of that stuff is inexpensive because we care. And so I'm gonna have more on this a little bit later, but again, I think, again, it's okay to expect more. You know, for years and years and years and for generations, because we were so beaten down and hamstrung and financially strapped, just beating Ole Miss made for a good year. You know, going to a ball game was just not even something we considered. And then in my generation, things have improved. In my children's generation, it has become commonplace for us to go to ball games. And so I believe, you know, that the trajectory of our program is still headed in an upward direction. We just need everybody to get there with us. And it's not about just what we believe and what we want. You know, there, there's a commitment that we have to make. Many of you are making that commitment. Let's thank our friends the Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of this show. I love Bulldog Burger Company. I love everything about them. I loved them before they loved me. I love going in there to eat. I think that one of the, my favorite lunch items there is the Sloppy Joe Sliders. It is. It's outstanding. It's extremely well seasoned. You know, when I was a kid, if we had Sloppy Joe's, that felt like a treat. It didn't feel like dinner. You know, a lot of times you'd have to eat, you know, a poorly cooked pork chop and some snap beans and corn and call it a day. There are some days that I want that. But I, I like being able to go in there eating a Sloppy Joe slider is like eating a comfort food. You know what I'm saying? It's a great portion for lunch. You know, when I go for dinner sometimes, maybe I'm a little more um, 
maybe committed to a bigger meal. And I have that great restaurant-quality hamburger that you can only find at Bulldog Burger Company. If you're just looking for a great American cheeseburger, go with the Bulldog. It'll make you happy. It will. But maybe you want to get on the wild side a little bit and be a little adventurous. Have the, the mission. I get the pico de gallo on the side. I'm not a really big uncooked onions guy, but I do love the mission. I like the freshman 15. I like the pimentology, add bacon. I do. You go by and have those and get the spring rolls as your appetizer. They will make you and everybody else around you better looking. My friend Jeff Murrah went to Bulldog Burger Company and said after the first bite, everybody at the table was better looking. It's science. I mean, and not to mention it's in writing. Get the chocolate shake to go. You'll be glad you did. Bulldog Burger Company, three great locations to serve your University Drive and Start Vegas with that great patio area. Gloucester Street and Tupelo, and then Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Be sure and go check them out today. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, Bulldogs will play their third non-conference opponent of the season this weekend when Bowling Green comes to town. We're going to take some time now to look into Bowling Green, kind of investigate who we're up against. I spent some time yesterday, watched, uh, I guess, the game against Eastern Kentucky, and then watched the game against uh, Marshall. Did not watch the UCLA game. They got shoved around a little bit down there. They have not been a a, a prolific offensive team. You look at that 59-57 score against Eastern Kentucky, and you think, man, these guys have got to be outstanding on offense. There was really kind of a talent differential there that kind of allowed them to score. But uh, defensively, they could not stop Eastern Kentucky and ultimately lost the game in seven overtimes. But uh, let's take a look back, kind of get to know the Falcons a little bit. Scott Loeffler is the head coach there. A guy with some SEC experience. You know, he began his playing career. He was a quarterback at the University of Michigan. So maybe he has an axe to grind against us for that Gator Bowl win. Well, Scott, take it, like it, love it. He is a native of Barberton, Ohio, just 47 years of age. And again, spent his college career at Michigan and then went to work as a student assistant for the Wolverines. Eventually, a graduate assistant, got his first real coaching job Back in 2000, was a quarterback's coach at Central Michigan for two seasons. From there, he returned to Ann Arbor and was the quarterback coach for the Wolverines from 2012 to 2007. He left the program to take a position as a quarterback coach with the Detroit Lions in 2008. That didn't work out. Then he's a quarterback coach 2009 to 10 uh, there at the University of Florida under Urban Meyer. Of course, he replaced a guy, you know, named Dan Mullen. 2011, he heads to Temple. 2012, he's at Auburn. You guys should be familiar with that. From there, he goes to Virginia Tech for three seasons, 2013 to 15, then becomes the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach at Boston College from 16 to 18, and then becomes the head coach at Bowling Green 2019. His head coaching record is 8-24. First season was 2019. He's 3-9, 2-6 in the MAC. 2020 was a wild year for all of us. They played a conference-only schedule, 0-5. There was talk they weren't even going to play at all. 2021 last year, 4-8 with a 2-6 mark in the league. And they're now 1-2. 1-2, and, and, and they haven't played a conference game yet. So 8-24, 4-17 in the MAC Conference. Let's take a quick look at you know, some of the level of competition they played here uh, in the last few years there at Bowling Green. And, again, you know, some of this has got to do with the fact that um, – yeah, Bowling Green, from a natural recruiting footprint, they don't have a lot to pull from. But, uh, you know, Power 5 opponents back in 19, they lost to Kansas State 52 nothing. 
Uh, our friends from the G5, Louisiana Tech, beat them 35-7. They went and played Notre Dame and got beat 52 to nothing. And then, of course, you know, there's the league schedule too. But, um, you know, so the, again, commend them for stepping out of conference. And then, of course, 2020 was all a conference schedule. Last season, a little more of a change, right? They got a little bit better. They opened up the year at Tennessee and lose 38-6. to And you remember that game was a tussle for a quarter. Uh, they go to Minnesota, and they win at Minnesota last year, 14-10. to Did you know that? I'm a big P.J. Fleck fan. I'm a bigger Heather Fleck fan, but uh, P.J. Fleck is a name that constantly gets mentioned in connection with these bigger jobs. And Bowling Green goes in there and gets them, 14-10. to Incredible, right? And then everything else, of course, is uh, you know, in the league. But uh, this year, of course, they open up against UCLA. It's a 45-17 loss. And uh, Scott Lauther mentioned the heat out there. And he tried to kind of prepare the reporters and the media about it's a different level of heat here in the southeast because of the humidity. He said when he went to UCLA, it didn't even feel, feel, feel hot. Down here in the south, we have a heat that you can see and feel. There's a toughness. That's one of the things that uh, Loeffler mentioned too, is the guys down here learn to play in this. They condition themselves to play in this. And so you've got a team from Ohio that's already struggling. And this is going to be, you know, a weather condition I don't know that they're prepared for. And, again, you look at the games they play each year, most of it's, uh, you know, in cooler weather. Now, we know, we, you know, even though that we've lived here and spent most of our lives here in the South, it's a hindrance to us. I mean, just yesterday, my daughter Mia texts me and she's like it is so miserably hot today I said oh, this is nothing compared to what it was in the summer she goes you hadn't been out moving around but I had been and then the more I was out yesterday getting ready for football practice like you know it is really humid out here we, we just went through false fall here in Mississippi you know for about a week there you felt a little chill in there you think hey this is great man summer's behind us first day of fall is what today tomorrow we're there doesn't feel like we're there and so my hope is that uh, we have uh, a lot of humidity this weekend. Not because I want you guys to be uncomfortable, because I, you know, I, I want to win this game handily. After they lose at UCLA, they bounce back, and of course they uh, have a very competitive game at home against Eastern Kentucky. And again, I watched that game. You know, the, the Falcons had multiple chances to win this game on one play. The last play of regulation – they give up a touchdown with no time left. The extra point ties the game. We go into overtime. And there were two other opportunities where Bowling Green had a chance to win the game. They lose to an FCS opponent. And then last week, the shocker, everybody's like, oh, this is a terrible team. They upset Marshall. And Marshall on the road at Bowling Green. The 100th homecoming in Bowling Green State University history. And they beat Marshall. And they rush the field. They have a great time. And, of course, Marshall had beaten Notre Dame the week before. So I don't know how good Marshall is. I don't think anybody does. And it's interesting, though, you know, a week ago everybody's like, hey, look at Charles Huff. Look at Chuck. Shaking things up. Guys fixed to make a bunch of money. I don't hear that conversation this week. That's football, right? You just never know what's going to happen. But now one and two on the season and probably, you know, the Marshall, and let's call it an upset. You know, maybe there was a hangover 
over the thundering herd. But uh, the reality of it is they win the game. So let's look inside the numbers here and kind of look and see who's making plays for them. I have done some recon here. Of course, I've watched game. I've talked to a couple people too just to kind of see, hey, who should we be mindful of? So as a team, they're averaging 36 points a game. And some of that, of course, is because they played an FCS opponent and simply couldn't stop them. They're allowing for having to hire new employees sometimes is the absolute worst, right? We've all been there. If you've got your own small business, I mean, you're, you're trusting your livelihood. You're trusting your baby, your blood, sweat, and tears with somebody perhaps you don't know very well. That's why you got to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. You got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. How cool is that? I mean, times in the past, I've made hiring decisions when I was desperate for an employee. Been nice to have had a partner to help me screen through some of this and make sure that I get people that fit the specific skill set I'm looking for. It's so easy to go make a free ad today at LinkedIn. Maybe you should. And then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it much easier to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to actually meet, interview, and ultimately hire. It's important to have the right team. It's why every small business rates LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus their leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster than ever before. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash boneyard. That's linkedin.com slash boneyard to post your job for free. Some terms and conditions may apply. 35 points per game. Most of their their first downs coming through the air, 32 passing, 18 rushing, just five on penalty, a total of 55. They've allowed 81 first downs, most of them through the air. 47 of those 81 first downs came via the pass. As a team, they have rushed for 367 yards, 97 attempts. They want to be a fairly balanced offense. If you watch them, they kind of run to set up the pass, kind of establish some play action. I think it's going to be very difficult to establish the running game against Mississippi State. Just three rushing touchdowns as a group and a, and a net, I guess, of 262 yards. And that's through three games. So you start thinking here they're averaging less than 90 yards a game on the ground. I don't think that number is going to change this week. Opponents, however, have netted 578 yards against them and are averaging nearly 200 yards a game, 192.7. Passing offense, 69 of 123 for Bowling Green, averaging 236 yards per game, 10 total touchdowns, and uh, no interceptions. And, of course, that's kind of the byproduct of having a senior quarterback. But uh, no interceptions, that number kind of stands out to me, too. And they've only allowed four sacks. Two of those happened last week. So you know, pretty good numbers there, but you, when you begin to look at pressures per attempt, that probably changes a little bit this weekend because State's going to be bringing the house. We're, we're going to play our defense. Opponents 94 of 132 and three interceptions thrown against Bowling Green. Average yards per attempt for Bowling Green, 5.76, and nearly eight for their opponents. Opponents are averaging 345 yards passing per game. Bowling Green just 236. Eight touchdowns thrown against that defense, 1,037 yards, excuse me, by opponents. So 
you look at a team here that is very defensively challenged, especially in the secondary, and it's, uh, I guess maybe that's not fair. I think maybe they're equally inept against the run and the pass. But if they're allowing 345 yards passing against the level of competition that they played, it should be a big day for Will Rogers. It certainly should be. Our total offense, the Falcons averaging 323 yards of offense a game. Opponents, 538. You might see some huge numbers from Mississippi State. You certainly should. Like, I read some comments on the boards. People are like, oh, you know, we can't take them for granted. No, we can't. We can't take them for granted. But this ought to be a defense that we can absolutely exploit. They've scored 14 touchdowns, allowed 17. The return game, and this is where I think things are going to be very, very interesting. All right, so I think we're going to have the opportunity to return some kicks against these guys. That's just what I think. Now, average return against them is just 18.67 yards. I think it's going to be a little different, too, kicking the ball in that humidity. You know, it's not like kicking at Arizona. Their punting average, they're averaging just right under 39 yards a punt. Their opponent's just 32. Well, when you play an FCS team, that's what you would expect. Not that they well, – Eastern Kentucky punted a lot. But we've got a chance here to kind of flip the field against them. They've had 22 punts for 856 yards. They're two of three from field goal attempts. Their opponents have punted 13 times, 417 yards, three of five. 56 yards of penalties per game, and that's pretty much consistent. You know, they're a team that they will commit some penalties. Time of possession for them, less than 30 minutes, 27.5. So just under 28 minutes of possession, which you would expect Mississippi State to control uh, time of possession anyway in this game. Third down conversions for them, 19 of 54 as a team. They're allowing 55% conversion ratio, 28 of 51. Fourth down conversions, hey, BG's willing to go for it. They're six of seven, and they've allowed two of four. They have fumbled the ball four times, lost two of them. Opponents have fumbled five times, lost all four. The, the, the one stat that jumps out to me, looking at all my research and, and watching the games and talking to people, is this defense for Bowling Green, 12 sacks, which is the fourth highest total in Division I college football. So you begin to ask yourself, where is this pressure coming from? They can't stop the run. They can't stop the pass. But how are they getting the quarterback? And they are getting to the quarterback. And the pressure kind of comes from all over. It's very interesting. They've only allowed four sacks. I mentioned that earlier. You know, for, for a team that you look at, when you look at the gross numbers, and you would say, well, they're giving up a ton of yards. They're not getting a ton of yards, but they're protecting their quarterback and they're getting after the quarterback. How, how are they doing that? And you look at their offensive linemen, it's not like the typical corn-fed mid, you know, Midwestern kid. They're not especially athletic on the offensive line, but they're doing a good job. And, I, again, I give a lot of that credit to, to having a veteran quarterback. PATs, this is interesting. They're 12 of 14. Their opponents are 16 of 23. What is going on with place kicking in college football these days? Red zone scores and attempts. They've been to the red zone 10 times. They have scored nine times, seven of those touchdowns. Opponents have been 16 times. They've, they've scored 13 times. 11 of those 16 have been touchdowns. There have been a couple of drives that, um, excuse me, three drives that have netted no points that have gone into the red zone. 
Again, these are all just numbers, but uh, let's look at individual numbers here. This is where I think we find a little bit more about the team. Quarterback Matt McDonald, former Boston College quarterback. He is now a three-year starter at Bowling Green. The guy's done a decent job. You look at his numbers here, Matt McDonald, quarterback rating of 132.74, 67 for 119. Again, no picks. Completion percentage, though, 56.3%. Not great. 690 yards and, of course, the 10 touchdowns against no interceptions, a long of 34, averaging 230 yards a game. Another number that just jumps off the page, opponent's completion percentage against Bowling Green, 71%. You know that we're very efficient in that respect. Completion percentage, the controlled passing game, when we don't drop the football, is normally very good. So what that tells me, this is a team that can't cover in space. I'm expecting some big passing numbers. And again, opponents, 345 yards a game. All right, so they're throwing a few passes. Well, who's catching them? Uh, I'm sure I'm going to mispronounce this. And I get a lot of comments about this. You guys think it's funny. I don't think it's funny. My oldest kid thinks it's funny. He always, always, always. He's a daddy. Your batting average in some of these names is abysmal. So I apologize, Ani. But uh, ODU Hilaire leads the team with 143 yards through the air. Three touchdown receptions, averaging uh, 47.67 yards per game. And they do spread it around a little bit. C.J. Lewis, 10 grabs, 138 yards, a couple touchdowns, averaging 46. Uh, Teron Keith is a running back. They utilize him in the, in the passing game, too. 14 receptions, 119 yards, a couple touchdowns. Christian Sims, 13 grabs, 104 yards, averaging just under 35 yards. And so outside of that, it's, it's pretty slim pickings. You know, so they use those guys mainly. I guess uh, Kavon Kroom, that's a name that should stand out to you. Kavon Kroom, there has to be some type of uh, connection. He is actually from Sandusky, Ohio, but um, not a lot of Krooms running around out there. Uh, he's another guy, too, that's caught a few passes. But, uh, but by and large, they run those same three receivers out there. They don't rotate an awful lot. They just put their best three guys out there and just kind of go to work and hope for the best. And even with that, it hasn't been exceptionally prolific. On the rushing side of things, Matt McDonald is a little bit of a threat to run. He kind of runs enough to keep you honest. But uh, 15 rushing attempts, he's netted 77 yards, averaging 5.1 yards a carry and has the one touchdown along of 31. So when you begin to think about that, 77 net, and you, you back out that 31 there, you got, what, 46 yards on 14 attempts. Not great. Now, Teron Keith, we mentioned him, and he's the guy, too, that, um, you know, they move him around to try to get some matchups. Not the fleetest foot of guy, but he does play hard. 17 rushing attempts for 82 yards, a net of 76. He has had the one loss uh, for, uh, for six. Long of 16. Jason Patterson has the most carries on a team, 24, netted 60. Two and a half yards of carry. So when I look at these, I think, okay, we have been really good against the run with the exception of that fourth quarter last weekend. This should be a chance for us to kind of, you know, pad the stats a little bit. I, I don't think these guys are going to be able to run the football. I don't think they're going to be able to move the football much at all. I'm sure Marshall felt the same way. I think the key to this thing is we got to play close. 
and play fast. I, I didn't think we played fast last week at all, even when we had the lead. I, I thought at times that we kind of got in our own way a little bit. And I'm even talking about the drops and things like that. I, I thought at times, you know, we gave LSU too much of an opportunity to get set. I'm not saying you got to run tempo. I mean, playing fast sometimes is just getting to the next play. It's not subbing and things like that. You know, we gave them a chance to sub at times we probably shouldn't have. We got to play fast. We got to get up and get going. And again, I understand who we're playing. All right, defensively, uh, Chris Bacon leads the team with 21 tackles. Uh, Chris Bacon is a um, – sometimes this stuff is so slow. Is a senior safety out of Westlake High School in Atlanta, Georgia. Found his way at the Bowling Green. J.B. Brown, 19 tackles. Uh, Wears number 12 also has a sack for them. And, again, this, again, the pressure comes from everywhere. Inside linebacker from Hughes, Arkansas, product of Harbor High School. D.J. Taylor, another guy that's got some sacks. And uh, J.B. Brown's another guy, too, that uh, will get behind the line. Got some TFLs for him as well. D.J. Taylor, a senior from Belvedere, Tennessee, a product of Huntland, Huntland High School, inside linebacker. So, you know, some ties to the south here. You know, the guy that I've been told to really watch – a guy that really affects change for them is Carl Brooks. Number 11, Carl Brooks. A guy that uh, probably is a Power 5 guy playing in a G5, was a bit of a late bloomer. He is a senior from Lansing, Michigan. 6'4", 300-pounder. This is a guy that you know, some people think may have a pro football future. That's a name to remember there. He has uh, three TFLs and a couple sacks. And, again, you look at these sack numbers. We talked about the pressure kind of comes from anywhere. Brooks, you know, with two sacks. Demetrius Hardman, also two sacks. Uh, Walter Hyair, sack and a half. J.B. Brown, a sack. Brock Horn, a sack. Devon Ferguson, a sack. Blaine Spires also has a sack. De'Aire Kelly, Adrian Wilson. I mean, you go up and down, you know, the defense here, and everybody's getting to the passer in some respects. Your quarterback hurries, that's a statistic that is so poorly kept, it's difficult to really know. But Carl Brooks, a couple of those to lead the team, and Blaine Spires as well. And Brooks will be easy to find. He wears number 11 uh, down there in the trenches. But that, that's a name to remember uh, it's kind of, as, as you get into Saturday. We talked about turnovers and things of that nature. D.J. Taylor with a pick, Jordan Anderson and Trent Sims, both interceptions uh, for them. Fumble recoveries. Had a couple of those, too. They hadn't created a lot of turnovers, but they have created a little chaos. Uh, pass breakups. Jordan uh, – I know I'm going to mess this up. Jordan Olodokan, number 10. Jordan, I apologize. I'm doing the best I can. I'm just a poor boy from South Mississippi. He is a product of Tampa, Florida, Gator High School, sophomore corner, wears number 10. And I suspect that he's going to have uh, a lot of opportunities. He has three pass breakups on the year. No picks. Uh, but a guy that's got out there and done some things for him. It's very interesting. Not a lot of tackles, though. Plays out there on the island. Let's look at special teams. S- Sammy Sir. I think I got that right. Sammy Sir. S-A-M-I Sir. S-I-R. Number 99, the punter. Uh, 22 punts average and just under 39. It's a long of 49 and just has the one touchback, but 10 fair catches. Nearly half of them fair catches. So he's doing a good job getting, you know, 
good elevation on these punts, good hang time, allowing those guys to cover. Just the uh, one inside the 20. What's interesting, too, they've um, – Bowling Green's got out and blocked some kicks this year. Three block punts this year. Phil goals, uh, Mason Lawler, of course, uh, two of three. One of one from – they've had nothing inside 20. One of one from 20 to 29. 30, the one uh, – a miss from 30 to 39, and then made one from 40 to 49. It was a 45-yarder. Kickoffs. Again, this is interesting. 16 kickoffs, only eight of them touchbacks. One of them out of bounds. So nearly half of the kickoffs are coming down short of the goal line. What does that mean for Tulu? Well, if we can get out there and block properly and not make holds away from the ball, I think Tulu has a chance to, really again, break out in this game. I mean, Tulu Griffin is one of the most dangerous kick returners in the country. And it's difficult to utilize him at times because some people can kick the ball out of the end zone. This is an opportunity here where I don't think you're going to consistently see a lot of touchbacks. So you get a couple short of the line of the game, and I don't know how many times Bowling Green's going to kick off. Hopefully it's once. But if you do get an opportunity here, I think Tulu's got a chance to make a play. So we'll see. And again, in, in other circumstances, this might be a more meaningful statistic, but I think when you think about the fact that Bowling Green's likely not about not to score a whole, an awful lot here. That uh, they probably won't get a lot of kickoff opportunities, which in turn doesn't give you a lot of opportunities to return. All right, punt returner for them is Jake Rogers, number fourteen. They do they they split a couple guys back there, but he's got a couple returns, averaging thirteen yards a return, along a twenty-four, and then Passan Wimberly, also a couple returns, averaging eleven. So yeah, decent numbers there. Uh, kickoff return, they've only returned three kicks this year. It's It sounds like it's almost like part of the strategy. Let's just take the fair catch inside the 20 and, and get out to the 25. We'll take that extra five yards so we can get it. But just three returns on the year and uh, averaging 15 yards per return. And, it, and that's the thing you kind of begin to think about too is, you know, what, what strategy should you use? My strategy is always just kick it out of the end zone with the defense tackle. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's what I do. I, let me just take the automatic here. Uh, instead of me getting cute and trying to angle it to the coffin corner or whatever and have somebody get trapped inside the five, and, you know, I, it, I like it when it works. I just think the risk-reward is just not very high. More likely to kick that ball out of bounds or give up a big return. People get out of their lanes. It's crazy. But uh, we mentioned, you know, the scoring aspect of all this stuff too. I mean, you know, the, how they spread the ball around. But uh, – Again, I think what you're going to see is basically the same faces over and over and over again. The same three receivers, the same couple running backs, and, of course, Matt McDonald. And uh, and Matt's Matt's had a good career, Bowling Green. He's got a bit of a hitch in his delivery, though. That's one thing I noticed yesterday. When when you watch him, like, he doesn't keep the ball up high. He doesn't have a quick release. He kind of winds up. He kind of dips it down almost, almost all the way down to his waist. So mechanically, he's a little bit of a mess, but uh, he is a guy that is a competitor and makes pretty good decisions with the football. But uh, this, guys, I, I can't sit here and make this game feel like it's a big game. It's a big game for us because it's the, the next game, and it's a game we are expected to win and win handily. My expectation for this game is, is for the Bulldogs to come out and handle business. I, I think, number one, I think you're going to have a very focused Mississippi State team. 
against an extremely inferior opponent. If we don't win this game going away, I will be concerned. I'm just going to be honest with you. This is a game that State should win handily. If we're having to fight and battle and win this thing in the, in the fourth quarter, then I have grossly overvalued the quality of this team. And I just don't believe that I, I could be that wrong about that. I mean, I just, you know, going to practice every day, knowing what we know about the experience of this team. So, again, I expect State to come out. What's the line? 32 points. I think State's going to cover that. I think State's going to come out and basically midway through the third quarter, I think you'll probably see, uh, as my friend Bo Bounds has said, it's time, okay, this game's over. Let's kick our feet up and watch the kids play, watch the youngins play. Uh, that's what I want to see. Now, we're not going to have a ton of recruits at the ball game. You know, it's, it's a non-conference game. It's, it's, a, it's an early kick. And you really don't push to get guys here then because the atmosphere is not going to be big. Anybody that's here this weekend really, really, really wants to be here. They really want to see Mississippi State play. I remember when, you know, Caleb Yules came. I mean, one time I think Ole Miss was playing some SEC game in the evening or in the afternoon, and he came to Mississippi State. And so anybody that shows up, you know, and, uh, you know, Paul and I will probably have a visitor list later. But, but the reality of it is if, you, if somebody shows up this weekend, they really just want to see Mississippi State play. So uh, important to understand that. Now, next weekend will be packed. Next weekend, the SEC opener. Of course, uh, we're going to have a big rock concert Friday night, and then we'll do a ball game Saturday afternoon, you know, kind of as uh, to celebrate, right? So if you haven't got your tickets to Rock Vegas, please go ahead and get them. I've had many of you. We've had a really good week, and uh, I want to thank all of you that have uh, have jumped up and said, hey, Steve, I want to come to the show, or I want to make sure somebody else gets to the show. Uh, there's about 100 tickets remaining, and I want to sell them all, please. And, again, this is not about me. I'm not going to make a dime. I'm, I'm losing a lot of money on the show. And I don't consider it, quote, losing. It's basically my contribution to Mississippi State's NIL effort. So I could have wrote that same check, right? I could have wrote that same check, you know, for – couple thousand bucks and said hey charlie go do what you want to with it but instead let's take that two thousand and let's pair it up with some other people and let's go ahead and raise about twenty thousand dollars and uh we're well over fifteen thousand dollars raised right now and of course you know we'll have merchandising sales and there's still some more tickets to sell but uh i would venture to say we're probably up around seventeen eighteen thousand right now and so to me that's better than just going and writing a check of course it's a lot easier to do that and many of you prefer to do that and so i encourage you to do that if you can't I know there were many people, too, as soon as the Bulldog Initiative opened, said, you know what, we're going to be involved in all this. You know, here's 10000 bucks, And uh, I certainly appreciate all those folks. And uh, we're going to talk a little more about that later in the show. I know there are some people out there that uh, don't agree with me and are somewhat critical of me for my stance on this, and I'm absolutely okay with that. It, we don't always all have to agree, you know, but uh, I feel very passionately about that. We're going to talk a little bit more about that later in the show. Time for today's top 10 list brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair Chandler is my friend. He's your friend. He is a friend in the business. This is a guy that understands what it, what it takes to get loans closed. A lot of people out there want your business. Blair's willing to work for it. 21 years of experience in the industry. Top 1% close ratio in the country. Two years running. Works for Fairway Mortgage. He's not with one of these subprime, you know, fly-by-night lenders. Fairway Mortgage recently voted number one in customer satisfaction when it comes to mortgage loan origination. If you're looking to refinance your home, possibly to consolidate some debt, get some cash out, maybe you're looking to buy a home for the first time. And these are challenging times. It pays to have somebody that knows what they're doing. It pays to have a mortgage expert. That's Blair Chandler. Let me give you Blair's phone number. 
It's 601-500-2344. 601-500-2344. And if you mention to Blair, whether it be by text or by call or by email or carrier pitching, uh, smoke signals, whatever, let him know you heard about him on the boneyard. He's going to pay for your appraisal. How cool is that? A lot of fees associated with getting the mortgage closed. Blair's trying to lighten the load a little bit for you. Again, that's closedwithblair.com, 601-500-2344. All right, we have uh, recently picked up on uh, a theme for the top 10 list each week. We're doing, uh, you know, we did the Music of Louisiana. We did Musicians from Arizona. We've, we've talked about a lot of that stuff. And so we're doing the Rock of Ohio today. Now, I didn't include Rick Derringer. Rick Derringer, you know, my, one of my favorite songs, Rock and Roll Hoochie Coo. Eric Clapton actually played on that song. So uh, tip of the cap, tip of the cap to Rick Derringer. But we've got a lot of bands here that are from Ohio or prominent members within the band are from Ohio. Because Cleveland rocks, right? All right, so number 10, a legendary female. And the rock alternative scene is Kim Deal. And she was with the Pixies and then had her own deal, the Breeders. And the Breeders actually went out in support of Nirvana on the In Utero Tour. And uh, I bought a ticket for that for my younger sister-in-law and uh, allowed her to go to the game or go to the, go to the concert. And uh, she actually came back a bigger fan of the Breeders. She didn't know a lot about Kim. She just went because, hey, Nirvana was playing. And uh, so she came back, and she goes, you know, Nirvana was great, but I really enjoyed the Breeders, especially the single Cannonball. They were a bit of a one-hit wonder, but Kim Deal is the real deal. Number nine, this is a band I never really got into. I'm kind of of a peripheral fan. I guess when it comes on, I don't change it. But it's the Black Keys. And I know some of you love the Black Keys. I think it was kind of a weird time of music when they came along. But I do think they are kind of, uh, they kind of shine above some of their contemporaries. I could have gone a lot of different directions with here. Uh, I I went with I Got Mine because I like the guitar tone on that one. I I think it sounds a little more true to the rock. Number eight, a contemporary band that uh, I absolutely love, Cinnamon Rock, Oklahoma. It's a band called Star Set. Now, they do have kind of an industrial sound to them, but I love the production of this band. They have this big, rich, thick, layered sound. It's not really true to old school rock and roll. It's not true to the old blues standards or anything like that. But it is it's really in your face. It's really aggressive. It's not like up-tempo thrash or anything like that. But when you put it on, it really exercises your car stereo. It's a band called Star Set. And we're going to go with their second single of all time, My Demons. Number seven, I've actually uh, been tattooed by the same tattoo artist that tattooed this band out at West Hollywood Tattoo of California. And this is a band that's proud to be from Ohio, though they live in California now. Uh, probably the, the biggest celebrity Cleveland Browns fan I know is Andy Biersack from the Black Veil Brides. They are kind of true to the old school 80s rock, their image, everything, their sound, the big choruses. Andy, an extremely talented guy. The Black Veil Brides. I went with In the End, which is my favorite song. It's very inspirational to me. It's like the, the whole part about you know, who, who will tell the story of your life. And it really challenges me because I think, you know, do I have a story worth telling? You know, those are the things that, you know, I began to think about. You know, when I grew up in small town Mississippi, I always felt like I was destined for bigger and better things. But 
it was basically a will to power. I didn't, I didn't feel like I had you know any marketable skill in many respects. I had to work for all this. And so I've always found that song to be very inspirational. So if you need a kick, you need a little, little, little shot of motivation, put on In the End from Black Bill Brides. Number six, when I first heard this band, I was so incredibly excited. MTV started playing this song. I was like, who are these guys? They're amazing. They won a bunch of awards, too, Video Music Awards, for uh, for probably their biggest hit. But it's the band Filter. It's I'm going with Hey Man, Nice Shot. You may go with Take a Picture, which was a huge hit for them. But it started with Hey Man, Nice Shot. Love the vocal on it. Love the guitar. Love how aggressive it all is. Number five, one of my favorite modern rock bands. I know some of you think, well, Steve is lost in the 80s. He's probably still flipping through an L.A. Guns cassette somewhere. And maybe that's true some days. But one of my favorite modern rock bands is Beartooth. We talked about them on the show before. I don't know if we've done a top ten list. I think we have. If we haven't, we should. But their recent single, Riptide, I think is phenomenal. And again, it's another motivational song. You know, uh, I, I love the chorus. I love that part. Just give me the rush. And the breakdown in this song is absolutely insanity. I can, like, see the crowd jumping up and down. I want to be in that crowd. I want to be among my people. But Beartooth, if you don't know Beartooth, you should. I got into them because of the song In Between. And uh, I've seen these guys live a couple times now. And uh, they put on a great show, but it's really, really aggressive, really, really smart lyrically. Number four, going back to a Joe Walsh project. Maybe you know this one, maybe you don't. It's the James Gang. And I could not put this list together without paying homage to the James Gang. And, and it's Funk number 49. A lot of people love this band. I don't know that they got enough critical acclaim, to be quite honest with you. And, and anything Joe Walsh is a part of is, is usually very, very good. And it's true to the blue standards. That is the case here, too. Funk number 49 from the James Gang. All right, number three, most of the band members in the late 80s, early 90s, I guess we'd call them metal. Well, let's call them rock. The band Warrant. God rest Jenny Lane's soul. Man, it's such a sad story. It really is. We're not going to get depressed today, though. Uh, but Warrant, number three. And for those of you that don't know, a lot of people have, like, messaged me and said, hey, what do you have on your knuckles? Well, it's Down Boys. Uh, in, in honor and remembrance of Jenny Lane. And uh, I had an opportunity to meet Janie and uh, talk about some recovery stuff years ago, and it didn't work out. And um, that's one of those things that kind of stays with me, you know. I, I just think a guy that's so talented and uh, had so much available to him was so miserable. And it really shows how alcoholism is kind of cunning, baffling, and powerful. And uh, things did not end well for Jandy. And, and uh, towards the end of his life, he was very, very sad. And so those are the things that stay with me, and, and I try to pull something positive from it and learn from it myself. And uh, I share that with you because there was a time when Warrant was really near the top. You know, we saw them when they came out with Motley and, and Jackson. You know, Warrant was on the dirty, rotten, filthy, stinking rich tour, and they opened for Motley, who was on Feel Good, and it was a great, great show. And then Warrant came back like a year, year and a half later on the Cherry Pie Tour, and they had Trickster and Firehouse with them. And it was a great night for us in the Coliseum. It was tremendous. And then from there, things began to kind of change, you know. So, uh, but I'm going to go with Machine Gun off of the album Dog Eat Dog. That doesn't get enough play. It's one of the better Warrant songs. They never play it on the radio. 
At no point does it ever get played. And it was the lead single off of that, that great album. All right, number two, and we're going to go really, really serious on these last couple. These uh, next two artists, I, I, I could have easily flipped them and made an argument either way. But number two, it's Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails from Ohio. And of course, Trent's had a place in New Orleans for years, kind of loves the, uh, the vibe of the city. But uh, he is originally an Ohio boy, and this was an Ohio band. And so we're going to go with another song that I don't think gets enough notoriety in the NIN catalog. It's The Hand That Feeds. It's a little more radio-friendly than some of the other stuff. And I think maybe the hardcore Nine Inch Nails fans may be rejected for that. They kind of think it's maybe a sellout. I love the song. I think you will, too. Number two, Nine Inch Nails, The Hand That Feeds. And number one, maybe you didn't know this because he lives in Arizona now. But it's Manor James Keenan. It's from Ohio. That's right, the lead singer from Pussifer and Perfect Circle and Tool. We're going to go with a Tool song today, though. And we're going to go to one of the, the most recognizable bass lines in modern rock history in the great song Schism today. That's number one on your list, The Rock of Ohio. Really fun list today, too. I hope you enjoyed the list. And again, so many great and influential musicians. You know, some people have, okay, well, they had a big hit. When you go back and look at this and you look at, you know, Nine Inch Nails and Tool and Jenny Lane and Warrant and uh, the James Gang and Kim Deal from the Pixies and the Breeders, Ohio has produced some pretty serious musicians. And I think it's important that we recognize that, you know, our, our musical heritage is second to none in Mississippi. But when I put some of these lists together, you know, we, we struggled to put a rock list together from Louisiana. And then you look at Ohio and you think, okay, these guys are really strong. So a lot to look to in Ohio, and uh, I, I joke with Mike Nemeth all the time, who is from Ohio, that all of that in the Midwest is just kind of the same state, but this certainly differentiates Ohio from their Midwestern peers, a great, great collection of musicians. If you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out and let us know. Hit Roy up on Twitter at dogmatic67, that's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7, and let him know, and we'll put you on the list. And we'll eventually get to you, more than, more than likely. And you can, you know, William Nutt had been begging to do Muse for a while. I haven't heard back from William to find out his critique of my Muse list. And I, and I, I don't get my feelings hurt about that. You know, it's just kind of like all this other stuff. Well, people, Steve, I think you're wrong. That's okay. That's okay. I may be. I may be wrong. I don't think so, but I may be. And, you know, you may be wrong, too. I'm just mature enough to let you be wrong. I'm perfectly okay with you being wrong. And there are times that I'm wrong, too. But this is all just matters of opinion. So, uh, again, let me know. If you, if you submit a list and then I put my list out and you disagree, I may have missed something. You may know a track uh, better than I do that I may enjoy. That's a gift of music. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart. I will be at Campus Bookmart this Sunday from 1 to 4 signing books. Come by and check us out. They carry all five of my books. You can get signed, personalized copies there. Uh, while you're there, Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution. Love Campus Bookmart. You will, too. The best selection of Mississippi State merchandise in the universe. A lot of people make that claim. They back it up. The bully shop now completely renovated. It's all upstairs now. It used to be really cute downstairs. Now it's impressive. It is absolutely impressive. Go by and check them out today. Plenty of great Mississippi State merch to buy there. If you can't make it to town to see their smiling faces, visit them on the World Wide Web 
at campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmart.net. All right. Yesterday, the SEC announced all the schedules for next year. Let's go through Mississippi State's schedule. I know many of you are uh, somewhat familiar with this, but uh, let's take a look at this. So next year, our season will begin on September 2nd. Of course, that's Labor Day weekend. And we will host the Lions of Southeastern Louisiana. I know you guys are somewhat familiar with uh, with the Lions. You know, they, they have put together a pretty good baseball program. But uh, for years and years and years, that college football program lay dormant. And then they, they bring it back. Martin Hankins, a quarterback there at Southeastern under a Hal Mummy. And, and you may not know this, but Mason Miller was on that staff. Mississippi State has played Southeastern before. And, uh, and, of course, been victorious. But uh, I encourage you, go ahead and be thinking ahead to next year. Go ahead and make your plans. I suspect that'll be an afternoon kick. Go ahead and begin to hydrate now. Arizona will make the return trip the following weekend. That's September the 9th. No clue on the kickoff time at this point. It'll be a long time before we know those. Based on uh, what they did to us last year, I don't know if we don't play them at, uh, you know, 9 in the morning. Make them enjoy the Mississippi heat humidity. Now, I'd prefer a night game, to be quite honest with you, because I feel certain that first game will be a day game. But Arizona, a power five matchup. And, again, you know, we'll see what they put together out there. But uh, that could be an entertaining game, to say the least. Mississippi State should have won that game even more handily than it did this year. But Arizona completing the home-and-home contract with Mississippi State. SEC play comes the next weekend. The Bulldogs will welcome LSU to town. That that feels like a burr in a saddle right now. So basically the schedule sets up next year just like it did this year, except for the fact we opened the first three games at home. And we're going to have eight home games on the schedule for the first time in school history. How about that? Dave Murray went back and did the research last night. First time in school history we'll have eight home games. Pretty impressive, which probably means a more expensive season ticket. But I also think about that extra extra game of concession sales and things like that. So financially, it should be a really good thing for Mississippi State. More games at home, more concessions, more opportunities to get on campus, support the Bulldogs. Should be good for the, the local Starkville economy as well. But SEC play, LSU. Uh, the next week, we go to South Carolina to Williams-Brice. We haven't been there in a long time. Matter of fact, let me look that up for you. We, uh, I guess that was Dak's uh, sophomore year, maybe? Maybe that's the last time we went out there. Maybe that's not correct. I'll double-check it. There's no point in guessing. What if we had a machine to give us the information which we seek? So South Carolina, a 9-7 and record against Mississippi State. State won, of course, 27-14 back in 16. Yeah, 13, which was Dak's sophomore year. We played at Columbia, South Carolina, and lost 34-16. Dak did not have a great game, and his mother died that weekend. So South Carolina had put together a very impressive streak. They had beaten us 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 straight times before we beat them in 16. So we'll head to Williams-Brice next year, and you never know what kind of condition Shane Beamer's program is going to be in. But it'll be a, a nice trip for us. Again, we don't get up there very often. It'll be our first time in, in a decade 
that we've been to uh, williams Bryce Stadium. For many of you that are trying to play SEC football bingo, you'll be able to punch that one off your card. All right, the following weekend we get Alabama and Starkville. Playing them in September for the first time in forever. So a very, very busy five weeks. We'll play five games in the month of September, which means heat. But also, too, of those five games, four of them are at home. The next week, we're back at home again against Western Michigan. That'll be interesting. Western Michigan, the Broncos. This is a team, too, that uh, we have added to the schedule and have never played before. So that'll be a bit of a novelty for us. We've never played Western Michigan, and they will come to Starkville October 7th. The next week, we travel to Fayetteville to take on the Arkansas Razorbacks. And again, Sam Pittman's got that program trending in the right direction. They should be a very veteran team next year on offense. We'll see what happens, you know, defensively. You know, Bumper Pool is kind of like Arkansas's answer to Austin Williams. It feels like Bumper Pool has been there for 10 years. But, uh, that, again, that'll be a dicey game. The next week, we travel to Auburn. So you only get four, four road games on the entire schedule, and you get two of them back-to-back. Then we'll play – we do get a bye before Arkansas. So the bye week comes October 14th. Midway through the schedule, we'll play six games and then get the bye week. I like how that's positioned. I like getting that bye week in the middle there. So, again, at Arkansas, then at Auburn – which will likely be a new Auburn team with a new coach. And when you look at that roster and how disjointed things are right now and how much they're struggling, the chances of Brian Harson surviving this season, I think, are pretty slim. So we may get an Auburn team with a brand-new coach. We'll get a lame-duck coach or a brand-new coach. But either way, it should be an opportunity for State to have a chance to go over there and win a ballgame. Tank Bigsby should be gone, who I think is one of the SEC's maybe underappreciated players. Quarterback play at Auburn has been abysmal this year. You never know what's going to happen in the transfer portal. But either way, that should be, you know, with us being in the year four of Mike Leach and them either being in the last year of Harson or the first year of a new coach, you would think we would have an advantage there. We'll welcome Kentucky back to Starkville November the 4th. And, of course, Kentucky will be picked to be second in the East, no matter what anybody else does. I don't know, I don't know how they've become such a media darling, but they have. That'll be interesting. All right. College Station, Texas, our last road trip of the year. That's November 11th. We've had some success down there. We have done a good job at Texas A&M here in recent years. You begin to think about a lot of road games, and you think, oh, it's always so difficult to go play there. State actually an 8-7 record against the Aggies so far. State won in College Station last year. We lost in 19. We won in 17. And then we probably should have won uh, back in 15. But we have had some success at College Station. So that has not been, you know, a hostile environment in many respects for us. It's certainly very spirited. It's a great place to go watch a ball game. And let me go ahead and tell you this. If you've never been down there, and I know there's some of the traditions in Texas A&M that get a little silly, it is a great place to go watch a college football game. So if you haven't done that, let me tell you now, go ahead and begin to plan next year. I know many of you, you make one road game a year. That used to be my plan, too. I would go in all the home games and I would try to get around and maybe go see Auburn or go see LSU or go see Georgia. Um, if you haven't been to Texas A&M, you should go. Very, very electric atmosphere. The next week, Southern Miss returns to Mississippi State. 
I don't like playing these guys for a couple reasons. And it's not that I'm scared to play them. It's just that when we have to make the trip down there, it's usually a two-for-one deal. When we have to go down there and play, our fans just don't get treated well. State actually a 15-14-1 record against Southern Miss. We have run one five in a row in the series. So what that's thinking for a second, at one time it was 14-10-1 in favor of Southern Miss. They had some success against us uh, in the 80s. We have not been to Hattiesburg since 2015, and that was Dak's senior year, and that, that was a bit of a challenge too. You know, we had the, the fumble on the very first drive. We're driving in. We fumbled the football. And then it was a bit of a dicey game. They had the fake field goal or fake punt, whatever it was, and the fans were electric. They thought they were going to beat us. And then finally, late in the second quarter, Dad decided, you know what, I'm just going to run football. Because that year we were determined to make him more of a pocket passer and kind of help showcase him for the National Football League, and we hope Dak gets well uh, soon. But, again, we, you know, we've been down there. We used to play those guys regularly in Jackson. Uh, we have been to Hattiesburg two times in maybe the last 40 years. We played in 89 down there. That was a Brett Favre year, the, the week after they had beaten Florida State. We won that game 26-23 on a late field goal. And then, of course, we beat them in Hattiesburg 34-16 uh, Dak's senior year. The, the, the trip previous to those years was 78. So we don't get down there that often. But one thing I will say, uh, I commend the fact that we're willing to play these guys and keep the money in-state because I don't think Southern Miss is ever truly a threat to Mississippi State on a recruiting trail. But Ole Miss won't play them, which is all the more reason, I think, for us to play. You know, But, uh, again, Southern Miss, again, had, had a pretty good stretch against us there. But uh, in recent years, due to the fact that the Metro Conference disbanded and became Conference USA, and now these guys are part of the Sun Belt, you know, things have changed an awful lot with the trajectory of our program and their program. Now, you can expect that Will Hall, of course, will have those guys that perhaps didn't get a Mississippi State offer to be motivated to play. And then, of course, the final game, the Egg Bowl, Thanksgiving night, will be in Stark Bowl. Uh, I like it on Thanksgiving. Other people don't. I do enjoy the Thanksgiving game because then I can spend the weekend. Because I'm selfish, I like to be able to watch all the rivalry games on Saturday. I don't mind going to watch them with family. But eight home games, eight home games. Again, I think it's a great thing. I think you look at this and you look at the schedule. Like I saw some comments yesterday, and people are like, "Oh, it's a tough schedule, guys. It's always a tough schedule. We play in the SEC West. It's always a tough schedule." But you look at the non-conference games and say, okay, you know what? We should beat Southern, Southeastern Louisiana. We should beat Arizona. We should beat Western Michigan. We should beat Southern Miss. But it's not a gimme-type deal outside of Southeastern. I mean, so the non-conference schedule is a little more challenging, I guess, than it would be this year. But I think there are some winnable road games. You have some very difficult home games in the SEC, but there are some road games, I think, out there that are winnable for us, too including that trip to uh, Auburn, A&M, and South Carolina. I mean, I, I could look at the schedule, and you don't know what the rosters are going to look like heading into next year, but you look at this and say, you know, if we continue on our current trajectory, it has a chance to be a really good season for us. A couple things of note, too, kind of looking ahead. You know, we don't, we're not exactly sure when Texas and Oklahoma are going to join the SEC. A lot of discussions that it's going to be sooner rather than later, and there's really no point. And, uh, and, and those guys hanging on to that. But, but we're set to go to Arizona State in 2024. That's game two back out there in Tempe. And 
Does that game change? Not sure. You know, what if we go to a nine-game SEC schedule and then all of a sudden you start dropping non-conference games? Well, I suspect that would be the one that that probably gets bought out. But your non-conference schedule for 2024 is set. Eastern Kentucky, that's August 31st. Arizona State, then Utah State comes here, and then UMass. And so you look at that and say, hey, that's a very winnable non-conference schedule. Very winnable non-conference schedule. And could be, again, could be the year that we go to nine SEC games, which makes matters a little more difficult. But if you're dropping the Power Five requirement for non-conference scheduling and you're picking up an extra conference game, then, of course, you still get your three. Uh, you hate to call them rent wins but that particular year it certainly should be. We should be able to, to run through those three. Uh, and you never know what kind of shape Arizona State's going to be. And they just fired Herman Edwards. And, you know, by the time we get there, if we get there, they'll be in year two of a new coach. So, but again, be mindful of that before you start booking a plane and hotels in Tempe. Be mindful that uh, here in the next year or so, things could change when it comes to SEC scheduling. And some of those non-conference games could be uh, impacted uh, by those changes. So, you know, I'm, we, it feels like we just got back from Tucson. But I'm ready to go again. There's some things out there I haven't seen. Plus, I mean, when else are we going to get a chance to go play at Arizona State? Right? I mean, that's the thing that I think about, the novelty of the experience. And it is an inconvenience. It really is. But you know, for our fans that made a trip to Arizona, I think people say, you know what, hey, pretty cool thing. It's a pretty cool thing to think the Wildcats are coming in next year. Uh, we have never played Arizona State in our history. And so it would be nice to kind of have an opportunity. And kind of looking much farther ahead – at non-conference. And again, all this is kind of subject to change. You know, Arizona State would make the return trip to Starkville uh, in 2025. That year, we're set to play Southern Miss and Alcorn State, play Southern Miss and Hattiesburg. Again, you know my feelings about that. In 2026, we're set to go to Minnesota on September 12th. Of course, we'll have a non-conference game the first weekend. But uh, that's our Power 5 matchup then. And then in 2027, the Golden Gophers, and who knows if uh, P.J. Flack will still be there, they're set to come to uh, Mississippi State on 9-11. And again, all of this Power 5 stuff may change. Every bit of it may change. Memphis comes back on a schedule 2028. We will go to Memphis then. They come to uh, State in 2029. So, again, that's all well down the road, but it's also something to be mindful of. And if you're thinking about uh, Pac-12 trips, Washington State's scheduled to come to us in 2030. We're set to go to Pullman in 2031. I would submit to you right now those games probably don't get played. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I I think with the Power Five shift and the opportunity for us to go to non-conference games, which I'm not really in favor of, um, you can see some changes to that. But, uh, again, I think it's important sometimes to kind of look at these schedules and understand many of these were actually negotiated by Mike Nemeth, who now works with us at jeanspage.com. Mike was a guy that was part of that, you know, part of that group to get those games done. And, uh, you know, again, a chance for us to kind of go play some some opponents we don't ordinarily – ordinarily play so as as expensive and as long as the trip was to Arizona and the fact that we won the game really makes it feel that much better so again 
For those of you that made the trip, hey, I think you probably feel the same way. Final segment of the show brought to you by Portico. I love Portico. You will too. I think it's uh, one of those deals where you probably have always thought about having a place in Starkville. You've always thought about, you know, maybe we'll retire in Starkville. And maybe now's the time to start getting serious about that. Brooks Bryan, our friend, part of a great group of individuals that are bringing this wonderful residential development to Starkville. Very easy to get to. You turn off 82 onto 12, like going to campus. The very first ride is Pat Station Road. You go through the four-way stop, Boomer's Portico on the right. They got a size and style of home to fit your needs. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home, go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home. Maybe you've got a growing family. Maybe this has become like your ballgame weekend retreat. And so, you know what? I don't want my kids to have to go get hotel rooms. I want everybody under one roof. And so maybe you get a bigger house and you're going to need ordinarily just because of the fact you're going to have a lot of family coming to town you know, for ballgame weekends and you want everybody to be together. And maybe grandma just wants to keep the grandkids and let everybody else go to the ballgame. And you can do that there. You can have a playroom. You can have a lot of things that are real super cool. So give Brooks a call today at 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. I told you guys before, if I was moving to Starkville now, this is where I would move. It's 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus, but you're tucked away there in a the neighborhood, kind of off the major thoroughfare. So you've got some privacy, but you also have the convenience of being that close to campus. Everybody is going to want to come see you. You know, on game day, it's like you have all these friends you'd love to go see, and it's just so much going on it's tough to get out and see everybody well on your way to campus you can stop in there and see grandma and grandpa how about that that's a cool thing and then after the ball game you know maybe it's a weeknight ball game and maybe uh your son and daughter-in-law want to come down and watch the bulldogs play baseball and, and rather than have to go get a hotel they can stay with you make portico your next move okay i want to talk a little bit and uh i know that i have ruffled some feathers i am perfectly okay with that uh, if you know anything about me, you, you, you understand that I just, I believe in what I believe. When I don't have strong opinions about things, I'll tell you. Uh, so I want to go over a few things because I think it's important to understand this. Um, so I grew up as broke as the Ten Commandments. I mean, we had absolutely nothing. My parents divorced when I was 15 months old. I lived with my grandparents, and uh, we just didn't have much. You know, my grandfather was a minister and a carpenter. And I'm sure with you guys before, we just, you know, we didn't have, we had each other. And sometimes the best thing that I had was my grandmother taking me in her lap and saying, you know, baby, when it's all going to be okay. And sometimes even now as an adult, I wish I could pick up the phone to call her and have her tell that to me because it's just so reassuring, right? So, again, we just didn't have much. And um, I don't remember having Mississippi State merchandise in my life until maybe I was maybe seven or eight, and I got a Mississippi State kind of an off-brand Mississippi State football replica jersey type thing. It was a big deal. It was a big deal. And I wanted to wear it every day, you know, right? And so the very first ball game that I ever attended was when we beat Alabama 6-3 in 1980. A lot of people claimed they were there. I was there. My dad brought me and my brother. My brother defected to Alabama and was chanting Roll Tide with their cheer section and until we won. And my dad said, well, what are you going to do now? Oh, I was just joking, you know. And so my dad, Freddie Robertson, brought us. And usually if I got any Mississippi State attire, it was from him. And it was a big deal to me. And so we have 
some fans out there, and I want to make sure that I want to make this abundantly clear. Some of the people that love Mississippi State the most had the least. And many people that love Mississippi State the most never get to go to games. And maybe it's a work situation. Maybe there is a disability situation. Maybe there is a financial situation. Maybe it's geographic, whatever. And so in no way are those fans unimportant because I was those fans. That, that's the ranks of which I have risen. I was one of those fans that never got to go to games. Uh, and if we were lucky, we could listen to a game on the radio because we were rarely on TV. Because, again, I'm from the 1900s. And so we didn't go to games. And so when we did get a chance to go to a game, it was such an incredibly special treat. It made the year. You know, because I was one of those families that uh, I grew up on hand-me-downs from my, my older brother. And so the only time I got new clothes was back-to-school clothes and then Christmas, and, and none of it ever fit, right, because we were, we were so broke. You always had to buy clothes that had a lot of growing room in them, and Mom sometimes would have to hem it up a little bit. You know, so, so it was never like – it never looked store-bought. And so we didn't have any of this stuff. So when I see people out here that say, you know what, hey, Steve, we just can't afford to give, I understand that. I also remember a time in my life when I had four young kids at home and just the idea of paying, you know, 100 bucks a year to the Bulldog Club just seemed like such an imposition. And not because of my love for Mississippi State, but because that 100 bucks could, could buy some diapers. That 100 bucks could, you know, pay for a trip to Walmart. That 100 bucks, uh, you know, could be a birthday party. And so it was a challenge. It was a real challenge for me, but it was something that I believed in. And to pay for the 100 bucks, I would just eat at home. I just made that deal. I said, you know what? Then I just won't eat out for lunch at work. I'll just find – I'll bring my lunch or whatever I got to do. Or I, if I have to, I'll just start skipping breakfast. But it was important to me to do it. Now, you may not feel similarly motivated. I'm not going to judge you for it. But as I said on Bo Bound's show, and I have said on jeanspage.com, there are different kinds of fans – I want to make sure that we illustrate that. And we need every fan we can get, every single one. But what, what the hope is, is that at some point we can maybe convert some consumers to contributors. And there's some, right now people are like, oh, Steve, I do enough. And, and maybe you do. Maybe you do. Maybe you, you give all you can or all you're comfortable with. And you know what? Thank you for your support of Mississippi State Sports. Thank you for your contributions for the betterment of our athletic programs and our student-athletes. Thank you. From the bottom of my heart, if nobody else has said it, I'll say it too. Thank you. Because there are a lot of people out there that can give and do give a whole lot more than Steve Robertson gives. And I hope to be in a situation someday that I can write a big check and maybe have my dad's name on a building on campus. Right? I would love to be able to be in that position. And so I'm not, but I'm using what I have for the betterment of our athletic programs. And so when I put these call to arms out there, I'm not speaking to people that are not financially capable. And I have some people sometimes that say, well, Steve, you're kind of hard on the fans sometimes. You know, well, I am because I'm one of you. I'm one of you. This is it for me. This is what I've always wanted to do. This is always where I've wanted to be. 
I've had other opportunities. Like when I, you know, it's amazing sometimes too. And not that I expect everybody to know my life history. I worked for Fox Sports. Couldn't have long hair back then, but I worked for Fox Sports. I had many opportunities to go cover other teams and work in other parts of the country. I turned those opportunities down because this is what I wanted to do. And eventually, when we were bought out by the North American Media Group, they said, hey, Steve, what if, what if we gave you the same amount of money and then all you had to do was like Mississippi State and then recruiting in the state of Mississippi? I'm like, where do I sign? Because this is what I wanted to do. I've never wanted to go cover the Lakers. I don't want to go cover the Saints. I don't need any of that stuff. I don't want to go ride for Rolling Stone. I used to. This is what I want to do. And so my hope with every show and every article and every message board post and every tweet that everybody sees, I want what's best for Mississippi State. And that's not always what's best for Steve Robertson. Again, it's costing me a lot of money to put this show on. Gene Spage has paid for some stuff. I've paid for some stuff. We've got some very generous sponsors that have paid for some things. And I may end up having to write another check here before this thing is over. Because if I'm going to attach my name to something, I want to make sure it's quality. And it's not just the fact that it's my name on there. We're raising money for the Bulldog Initiative. I want you all to have something to be proud of. I want to put this event together every single year and use it to raise money for NIL. And, and again, I, it amazes me, and I've had to talk with Charlie before too, some people are like, well, I just don't believe in it. You know, it's kind of like gravity. Whether you believe in it or not, it's still there. And I've seen some of the same complaints. Like, I'll see the threads on the message board, you know, and I can go back and find some. Oh, we're not doing enough in NIL. And then that same person is critical of me for saying, hey, we need to do more for NIL. We need you to get involved you can go to the Bulldog Initiative and you can set up monthly payments. You can make a one-time donation or you can say, you know what, Steve, maybe I can afford to pay 50 bucks a month. And you can do that. And then other people are like, well, I don't, I don't understand. I think there are some people that are so committed to being miserable, it just doesn't matter what the topic is. They're going to find a way to be negative about it. So we're putting the rock show together, which has taken a tremendous amount of my time and resources. And again, I don't say that to get any praise. I'm doing all of this not to celebrate me, but to celebrate rock music in Mississippi and to raise money for our student athletes. That's the only two agendas that there are. Hey, and you know what? Attaching a jeans page name to it, our business name to it, and maybe we get a little recognition from that. That's a byproduct of that too. I told everybody when we got ready to take over and we had the change of guard that we're going to do things differently. We're going to be aggressive. We are going to be involved in things and not just cover Mississippi State. We're going to be a willing partner. I wanted to be involved with NIL from the beginning, but I just I, I didn't know, you know, where's the ethical line here? So we waited, and some other people kind of jumped out and took the lead and said, hey, we're going to do this, and we're going to do that, and I have no idea how those deals are structured. No clue. But I know that – we're capable of doing great things at Mississippi State. And, and this is not your good friend and host here. This is your fellow Bulldog talking to you, right? So let's be honest with one another right here and right now. There are a lot of people within our fan base that are not, quote, obsessed with Mississippi State. I would submit most of the people that listen to this show are people that are pretty much obsessed. Like you, you live and breathe with what the Bulldogs are doing right there are other people out there that 
it's just simply entertainment for them. I just don't look at it that way. I, you know, when, I, when I go see Motley Crue play, that's entertainment for me. Now, of course, I got the long hair and the tattoos and the leather jacket and all that kind of stuff, but I don't go follow Motley Crue around the country. I follow Mississippi State around the country, and I did so even before I was getting paid to do it. And I do it at my own expense. There's Fox Sports isn't writing a check paying for my meals for hotels. I'm paying that. I'm paying that. And will continue to do so even after I retire. Because this is what matters to me. I love Mississippi State. And so anything that I do is from that. It's not about the promotion of Steve. It's not about the promotion of a rock band. It's about the promotion of Mississippi State. And so let's find some common ground there. We may not agree, but let's find some common ground is that we all want what's best for Mississippi State. You know, we've had this, you know, ongoing argument over at jeanspage.com. You know, some of the guys don't like the guys in the self-proclaimed end zone 11. But let me tell you this, and this is not truly an endorsement of anybody because I see both sides of it. I mean, it gets on my nerves that we have the same discussions over and over and over again. But let me tell you this. I am for Mississippi State. And I am for everybody else that is for Mississippi State. Now, there are some people out there that maybe their opinions don't align with mine, but I don't judge them for that. I admire their passion, even if we don't agree. Like, I don't have strong opinions about painted end zones. I don't. But I'll tell you this. I like them. I like them. I, I think it looks better. I think it looks more professional. I think we only get you know, a half dozen or so opportunities a year to show off that wonderful athletic field that we have. And I want it to look the best it possibly can because I want what's best for Mississippi State. That is in no way a criticism of Brandon or anybody involved with all that. I know the circumstances have changed. You know, Mike Leach likes to play, you know, Thursday night football in the stadium. And so, of course, you've got a much shorter window to work with. I'm not making excuses for anybody, but that's the reality of things. But I like the end zones painted. I do. And John Cohen and Mark Keenum didn't call me and say, Steve, we're conducting a poll. Do you want the end zones painted or not? Nobody does that. But if I had to vote, yeah, I want the end zones painted. I want everything that we're associated with to be the best it can possibly be. And I hope that you share in that same passion. And while you may disagree with my opinions on things and you may disagree with my methods on things, my, my hope is you can respect the fact that we both love Mississippi State. Because I respect the fact that you love Mississippi State. I had a discussion with somebody this week. And I won't say that I was offended by this, because I think that word is thrown around so much these days that it's kind of lost its value in the English language. You know, oh, we're offended. Oh, we're offended. You know, we're offended because somebody disagreed with us. I allow room for people to disagree because I don't have the corner of the market on good ideas. But I had somebody tell me, they're a Mississippi State alum. And he goes, man, I do support the Bulldogs. I said, okay, great. He goes, I watch every single game. Okay, great. We need that. We do. But I don't think that's enough. I don't think that level of support is enough. Now, some people, it's all they can afford to do. I get that. I completely understand that. And there are some people that say, well, you know, I buy the kids, you know, uh, you know, Bulldog hoodies at Christmas, you know. And I think that's great. 
And maybe that's all you can afford to do. So I'm not talking to those people. I'm not talking to the people that don't have the ability to give. But there are many of us that can. And it doesn't have to be. Listen, I'm going to just lay it out here. I'm just going to shoot you straight here. Okay. Are we just going to sit around and wait for Richard Ackerson to write another check? We're going to wait for Mickey Holloman to write another check. Brian Family. We're going to wait for the you know, Buzzy Myers Foundation to come write another check. Guys, it's our time. It's our time as caretakers and shareholders in our athletic programs. And so when I give out a call to arms, it's like some people are like, you know, Steve, you're exactly right. Other people are like, Steve, how dare you? How dare you say that I'm not doing enough? You know, maybe you, you live with your own conscience. I, I just can't live with the fact that we're, I'm in a position to help. And um, I don't do it. You know, I had somebody tell me, you know, Steve, I just, you know, I, I just can't do it. There, there's a difference between can't and want. Much different. Much different. And so I, I say that, number one, I want to clear the air. But I also want people to fully understand, too, that the, the times have changed. If we're going to do what we've always done, we're not going to get what we've always gotten. Now, that goes against conventional wisdom because times have changed. So if we continue to give the effort we always have, we're not even going to tread water. We're going to be losing ground. It's as simple as that. Now, until they put together a national policy and protocol and and kind of get some things, because it's the wild, wild west out there, we got to have a six-shooter, man. We got to be out there. Right now, we're sending Charlie Winfield and those guys into a gunfight with a plastic butter knife. We're having to be good stewards of the money. We're having to make good decisions. And so, and I'm sure that I'll be criticized for this, and so be it, because I'm never, ever, ever going to apologize for wanting better for Mississippi State. I want better for Mississippi State. And I hope that you do too. And my hope is that if you're in a position to give, that you will. I, and I tell you this, I've, I have had so many great people that have reached out that help sponsor Rock Vegas. It's incredible. It's incredible. As soon as I said, hey, we're doing this show, Steve, I believe in this. I think it's super cool. Let's do it. But I tell you this, I cannot begin to imagine being and working for the Bulldog Club. I mean, honestly, I've had, I've had people that have contacted me and say, Steve, what, what, what's going on with this show? Why are you doing this? So we're raising money for the Bulldog Initiative and NIL. Yeah, but I, I just don't believe in any of that. And I think to myself, what motivated you to contact me? You know, so I've tried to use that basically as an opportunity to kind of educate people and bring awareness to this. And I know some people are like, I'm Steve, I'm just tired of hearing about NIL. You know, I am too. I wish it didn't exist. I wish it worked in the form that it was originally intended for. You know where it, you know what? You and all your kin folks back home could order the favorite jersey of your favorite player that perhaps played at your high school, and then that young person get the money for it. Right? And I was thinking, you know what, maybe maybe you run the car dealership back home. And how cool would it be to have a diamond dog come and do a TV commercial for you to rent on TV? That'd be amazing, right? And that's how I thought this thing was going to be. But it's become something completely different than that. So rather than sit around and say, you know what, I don't like it, we got to find a way to live with it. You know, I didn't like it when, you know, when my girlfriends broke up with me either. But I found a way to live with it, found a way to survive and eventually thrive. And so 
we're not going to preach. We're not going to pass around the offering plate. We're not going to hum just as I am or have an altar call or anything like that. But I want to make sure that we all understand I love Mississippi State. And there are some of us out there that have the ability to give, that have it. And I just ask that you reconsider. And you know what? Maybe it's the Bulldog Club. Maybe you say, you know what, Steve? I don't believe in the NIL, but I'll tell you what, I'll increase my Bulldog Club membership. Or you know what, Steve? You know, I can't make the town for games, so I don't buy season tickets. But maybe I'll give to the NIL. Maybe I'll write a check for 100 bucks. Maybe I'll write a check for 1000 bucks. Maybe i set up monthly disbursements. But I, I can tell you, I, I have, through this experience of putting Rock Vegas together and working kind of hand-in-hand with Charlie a little bit on this, it has made my respect for Charlie Winfield grow to the point that I can't possibly quantify how much I respect that guy for taking the leadership role in this and saying, you know what, we're going to do it. We're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to make something of this. We're going to do something the right way to give our fans an opportunity to give. And so, Charlie, I love you, and uh, I, I respect everything you're doing, and, and my hope is that Rock Vegas becomes something that you look forward to every year that I can kind of help you with and kind of take some of this off your plate so you can practice law and feed your family. You know, this should probably be a full-time job for somebody else. I mean, it honestly should. I mean, Honestly. And I can't begin to imagine, you know, the air miles and, and the phone conversations that Charlie Winfield has had to have because he loves Mississippi State. And so if you love Mississippi State too, let me encourage you to consider making a contribution, whether it be a one-time thing or an annual thing. And then, if, you know what, if you say, Stevie, I'm just not in a position to do that, you can, you can buy a couple concert tickets because you know what, every dime of that goes. Every dime, other than the fee from Eventbrite, which is, I think, you know, four bucks, every dime of every ticket sold goes directly to the Bulldog Initiative. You can do that. And you can email me the tickets and I'll give them to students. And we're, next week we're going to do some of that. I have a big drive and make sure these tickets get in the hand of students and we're going to have a big rock show a week from Friday, the Friday before the A&M game. We got just over 100 tickets left and we do expect to sell them all. And I want to sell them all, not because it's some vanity project where I want to say, hey, we got to sell out. Because I want to make sure we're doing our part to raise as much money as possible for the Bulldog Initiative. And you know what? Those guys, you know, Lillian Axe, they deserve it too. And those young guys from Twist that are up and coming, they need the encouragement too. How cool would it be to them to walk into a full arena, right? And have the chance to play in front of a lot of people that, that maybe ordinarily would have never heard them play. What about our buddies in four-way stop? Some of those guys are Bulldogs too. Have them come out there and open up a show. There's a bunch of Bulldog fans out there eager to go beat Texas A&M, rocking and partying alongside with them. And then to think we're going to have this great time and then the money from this, rather than it going into somebody's pocket, is going to go into the initiative and then into the pockets of your student-athletes. And, again, I've given Charlie no direction. I hadn't said, Charlie, I want all this for baseball, whatever. You, you, you know where the needs are. Whatever you need to do with it, whether it be women's golf, whether it be softball, whether it be football, basketball, whatever. Whatever it is, you do it. And so we've created a vehicle to give you an opportunity to participate. And uh, I, I've had so many people that have hit me up this week and said, hey, Steve, I heard what you said on the show. I bought a couple of tickets. And please get these in the hands to some deserving Mississippi State students. 
And uh, a lot of people have done that. I mean, I'm going to have a lot of tickets to give away. And, and thank you guys for that. And uh, there's some young people that probably today that have no clue what they're doing next Friday. They're going to be celebrating the gift of Mississippi's rock music with us down at Hobie's on Main. So, again, you can find everything on my social media or you can go to eventbrite.com. Just search for Rock Vegas and you can buy tickets. And, uh, you know, we are expecting a sellout. I expected it to happen much sooner than this. But, uh, you know, now that we're just over 100 tickets left, I, I, I suspect that we're going to sell out prior to the day of the show. And I, and I would love to be, able to, to be able to do that. And, again, not because it's uh, any praise of me, but because that I know that we have done everything we can. We've exhausted every opportunity through this event to help fund the Bulldog Initiative. All right, that's it for today. I'm done preaching, and uh, you can get glad in the same pair of pants you get mad in. Uh, so let's look forward to uh, the rest of the week. We'll, we'll visit with Mississippi State coaches this evening, and then we'll be back on Friday to preview the SEC weekend. And it'll be a week away from Rock Vegas. How cool is that? I'm so excited about all this, so incredibly excited to see all this kind of come together. Next week will be stressful for sure. But uh, looking forward to seeing you guys in Starkville this weekend. I know it's a, it's a non-conference game, and I'm looking forward to watching some college football Saturday night. We don't always get a chance to do that. Uh, I love each and every one of you, whether you agree with me or not, whether you root for other schools or not. You know, of course, uh, I've been clean and sober a long time, so I've learned to be okay with other people not liking me. That's completely fine. It's part of the human condition. Uh, but I feel very passionately about some things, and I am always going to stand on the side of Mississippi State. We may disagree on how to get there, but I think we all agree that we all want what's best for Mississippi State. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.